0: You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Ooh. All right, let's get to it. Welcome. This is another special edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. My name is CJ Palmasano, as you may or may not already know that. And I'm being joined from the Making Kayfabe podcast. I'm being joined by Dylan. What's up, man?
1: Hey, hello. Thank you for having me on your show. I really appreciate that, man.
0: Of course. This would be second time. Uh, we I've mentioned before, I've had Bryce and Dylan both on my show for Making Kayfabe back in December. Bryce did a fun episode with me on Kurt Angle. And today, me and Dylan are going to be talking about Mick Foley. Mrs. Foley's baby boy, as Jr. would always say.
1: He, he did say that a lot. And you're like, you know, I don't I don't see why you have to specifically talk about Mick Foley's mother. You're not talking about <laughs> Steve Austin's <laughs> mother. You know?
0: like, Mrs. Austin's baby boy. <laughs> yeah,
1: like, you know, wouldn't, Steve, wouldn't it take the sting out of Steve Austin somewhat if they just continued to refer to him as a baby boy?
0: Yeah, it would have. Awesome.
1: Also, doesn't it feel very strange, whatever, like, m- Mrs. Foley's baby boy is falling 20 foot off the hell in the cell <laughs> onto the concrete.
0: And he's got long hair and a beard.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> dude, I don't want to be mean, Mrs. Foley, but your baby looks like a 40-year-old man. <laughs> you know?
0: Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah, there is that. Um, we've, we've, uh, for those of you who have heard these episodes before, we've, uh, I've done a bunch of them. Like I said, with uh, Dylan's co-host Bryce from Making Kayfabe, we did one on Kurt Angle the last time. Uh, I've done one on uh, Chris Benoit with a few buddies of mine. Uh, we've talked about Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho, uh, and now this is just continuing the trend. And now we're here with Mick Foley. So uh, I'll start with this, Dylan. Uh, when was the first time you ever saw Mick Foley wrestle? Or or your first memory of him? Maybe there was a promo or something?
1: I'll tell you what my first memory of Mick Foley was. And uh, it's, it, it kind of ties into my first memory of wrestling, right? And I don't want to get too deep into it. But over here, uh, you know, in America, Raw and SmackDown is on, like, or used to be, like on cable shows mm-hmm. you know, um, <clears throat> or satellite or whatever. And it was the same over here. If you wanted to watch Raw and SmackDown, you had to have like a cable or like a satellite dish. If you didn't, you couldn't watch wrestling, except for Sunday Night Heat, which was on free television. So the, mm, the way right. I got into wrestling was, was just by watching Sunday Night Heat religiously. And Mick Foley, so I started watching it in 2000 when Mick Foley had just about retired and they brought him back as Commissioner Foley. So he was the commissioner of the entire brand and would often be on Sunday night heat just dicking around with Edgy Christian. <laughs> and I loved that guy because he was really funny. I, I didn't know, but I didn't know anything about him. All I knew was he was a commissioner and he wore a flannel shirt. And he didn't have any teeth, but he seemed really funny and I, <laughs> I loved him. So that year I was obsessed with and I, I was, but my mom, hey, for Christmas, just give me anything wrestling related. And she got me Mick Foley's book. Oh, nice, nice. Have a nice day. Yeah, big, thick book. And I read that thing, you know, cover to cover. And then after that, I'm like, this guy is my guy. He's so smart and clever. And he's really funny. But also, like, when it comes to the in-ring stuff, he, he can take a beating, right? Oh,
0: yeah. That he can. I mean, we, we've seen... in the world. We've seen... Um, We've seen Foley for for a long time, all the way, you know, days in Japan, ECW, WCW, the WWE. Uh, He just, the guy took crazy pumps just to, just really to to stand out. I was watching um, his episode on the Monday Night Wars uh, on the network a little while ago. Just, he did those things, you know, he was Cactus Jack in WCW, but he wasn't really standing out. He thought that maybe there was a place for him, and then obviously not. And he comes to WF as as Mankind, and this was, it it really fit with all the, at the time, the characters they were trying to do, you know, we we obviously saw him and Undertaker, Russell, and both of these guys were both weird, dark, brooding, Mankind being just sadistic and crazy, Um but we've what well, we've seen Foley go through many different, uh, you know, iterations of it, you know, whether it be himself, Dude Love, Cactus Jack, Mankind. Um, but I think for the most part, I mean, he was mainly Cactus Jack throughout his early days in wrestling as far as like being in Japan and ECW, right?
1: Yeah, and in WCW as well, he was, he yes. was Cactus Jack. And that's, I think, how most people know him. They know him as Cactus Jack. Yeah, it's really funny. In WCW, they didn't really want him there, but they knew that he was a... And a lot of people... I, know, I don't remember if JR was in WCW at that time. That think, would have been early 90s.
0: I think briefly he was, JR, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, he would have been... Because cause JR fought for him in the WWF. And I know a lot of people were saying to the higher-ups in WCW, you got to look at this McFoley guy. And they didn't... Much like you would imagine a wrestling company would, they didn't look at him and see a star... But the other guys could look at him and see what, that what he would do is far and away from what everybody else would do. He used to do a bump where he would just land he'd be standing on the apron and he'd fall flat back bump, but onto the onto the ground, you know onto the outside of the ring, which nobody did at the time because I wasn't seeing like no. why why would you take that bump That's a long way to fall, just flatten your back, right but it looks great. And Mick would do that, and it would make his opponent look great. And, and people realized that Mick and his ability to like take punishment that, that looks good would also make his opponents look really good. And they realized that you can use this guy efficiently, but the WCW like higher-ups didn't figure that out.
0: So... No,
1: obviously not. Yeah, they just kind of had him there, but they didn't realize the kind of like attraction they could make out of McFoley, which eventually the WWF did, but it took a long time because I think they also just saw this, you know, middle aged kind of artist shaped guy with no teeth just walking around. I'm like, he's obviously got a lot more, you know, he doesn't look like The Rock, obviously. He's not ripped to shit, you know. I mean, but he, he can offer stuff. He's like an alternative, he's a good guy, he's like a perfect kind of heel to have to go up against a lot of those BB fierce champions, for example, because you can take a beat and then keep coming back and how does a champion, you know, survive Cactus Jack, etc.? Like there's stories to be told there. And I think people just totally missed the boat, you know, when he first
0: started out. In WCW for sure, they didn't have any kind of plan for him, you know. Um, and even when JR vouched for Foley to come in, they want they didn't want him to be Cactus Jack. They want him to be uh this new character has mentioned Mankind, you know, the vignettes, he'd be in the boiler room and he'd be saying how Mankind is tortured. Mankind is hurt. Mankind is sad. And he's talking about himself and Mankind in a way too, you know, with the rats in the boiler room, you know, his view with the undertaker, um, you know, that was stretched on for a long time. You know, it was in like the, when the company was transitioning into being the attitude era you know, we obviously know when we think about the 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 famous Hell in a Cell match with Taker and Foley, where Taker just throws Mankind over the cell, and Jr. J. like, "Yes, God is my witness, he's broken in half." Good God Almighty! Like, just the classic yeah. call there, and it goes to where you were saying that he would take these insane bumps just to make his opponents look great. And even though, like, he was a heel for a lot of the times, you know, as Mankind, he was heel for a bit. Dude Love, he was a heel as well but he he just took these crazy risks and he took did did these insane things where people just loved him you know they just like they 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 he earned his respect like you know like the age old thing of like being a great heel in wrestling you know you'll you'll earn the fans respect just by how great your heel work is and that just kind of makes you a babyface um and i think that's very clear in the, the Hell in a Cell uh, match with Undertaker. I was actually re-watching that one today in prep of all this. Just how insane that fall is and then how he yeah. took the choke slam from the top of the cell and that wasn't supposed to happen.
1: Oh yeah, that one. Now you see that's, my, that's probably my favorite wrestling match even though as you are well aware there's very little wrestling in it. Yeah, <laughs> like, very little, you know, very little. Very, very little <laughs> wrestling but at the same time, like that match still gives me chills. You know, you watch it and you're like, you can't fake this. It's all real. And it all looks like it really hurts. And it did. It's all, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible to watch. And yeah, the, the going, the falling off the top of this, being thrown off the top of the cell was supposed to happen, even though that's a really scary looking bump, like, Mm -hmm. you know, but I think everybody involved were like, well, at least you know, like now it's over. Now we can, you know, finish the match. Mm-hmm. And they didn't anticipate the second bump, which is where Undertaker choke slams Mick Foley or Mankind on top of the cell structure and the panel falls through. Yeah. So Mick Foley falls through the cell right flat onto the back under the under the canvas and a chair out of the cell as well and hits some smack bang in the, in the middle of the face.
0: Yeah, that's and right. He
1: knocks, knocks his tooth out.
0: Yeah. And he's that's smiling. Like all of that. He's yeah. smiling maniacally with the tooth in his nose. JR's like, ah, oh, look at him. He's smiling. He's smiling. I'm like, this guy's nuts.
1: Well, apparently he was knocked out by the chair hitting him in the head. And oh, he wow. didn't know he was doing that part. Like, a lot from what I've heard, everything after that is him kind of on autopilot
0: oh wow Um, that i did not know yeah
1: well also at that point whenever he's smiling at the camera he 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 realizes something is in his in his nose he's trying to figure out what it is and then he realizes that it's his tooth (laughs) so it's just a bit where he's just kind of (laughs) like waggling a tooth is landing in his nose and the camera is you know filming him obviously but it seems it almost seems like he doesn't Remember, there's a camera filming him. You
0: know. <laughs> yeah. If you say he's kind of he's, if he's just on autopilot, like man, like I, I can't imagine that. You know, you just you had this planned big bump where you obviously okay, you're gonna get thrown off the cell. You're prepared for that, but then you're taking this other big bump and like you're. It's just supposed to be a regular choke slam. You're. No one is expecting this choke slam, <laughs> This choke slam in the middle of uh, uh for the cell to to break loose. You know, and then I remember. Uh, Foley got uh, thumbtacks as well, because then Undertaker, <laughs> like he choke slams him through onto the thumbtacks, and then I'm pretty sure was it, is it twice he does that, or does or he does like a, a power slam and then a choke slam?
1: Yeah, well, that's the thing that a lot of people also forget is that after that big choke slam spot through the keyage, there's still like five minutes of match. Yeah. Like they keep going, <laughs> There's still like way more to it, <laughs> and you're like, what? How? Are you? Like that's insane. So to see Mick Foley gleefully throwing these tags out onto the floor, you know, after the shit he's gone through, you're like, the, something's up with this guy. He's he, like, that's how you put it over. How do you think the mankind character is insane? Look at that match. Yeah. Like no, no. That's how you. Tr- that's
0: how you that. truly prove. The, the character, and you re- and back then when you truly believed all these people were these people, you know, that Steve Austin was Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock was The Rock, and Undertaker really was this spooky guy who had mystical powers, mystical powers, I should say, and then Mankind was just, he was just insane and will do anything and everything to, to win. Um, but that match is crazy I think it was, we could safely say, that was the night where Mankind, Mick Foley, was made as a star, as a superstar, as they say. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he was a very, I would say, a pivotal point in the Attitude Era where he may have not been like Rock or Austin, but he was still a very, very important part. I mean, one of my favorite Foley matches in those days, and maybe my favorite one, maybe my favorite Attitude Era-esque match was when he won the title. Against the Rock. Oh yes, on Raw. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's uh, well, that's an interesting one. To, I assume the part of the reason you would pick that as one of your favorites is because of the, the feel-good moment of it. Yeah, I like, you was, know, I was, because I, was,
0: um, cause I remember watching that young. I was young as a kid. Like when I was uh, in the Attitude Era, I couldn't watch a whole lot. Um, I was my parents like I think they actively tried to make me not watch wrestling. I don't think about actively, but like just like you know, they wouldn't tell me, but because I I stumbled upon you know Austin spraying the beer. Uh, I vaguely remember the the Mankind match. I don't I don't even remember if I watched it live or if I saw it. Like I don't know. Rep- I don't know, but I remember when I did see it for the first time. It I was a young kid and I was just like, it is a very feel good moment that you want this guy to win. Like you clearly, even if you don't really know the whole story behind it. You can tell who's the good guy and who's the bad guy based on the crowd and just how they're reacting to him. Mankind is clearly the good guy. Everybody wants him to win. And Rock is the super dickhead bad guy who everyone's tired of. Nobody wants him to win. Nobody wants him to go and win the title. And he just – and I say it's the most Attitude Era-esque match because of all the interference. From Shane, yes. to Vince, to, <laughs> to, D- to DX, and then when Austin finally comes out, we people yeah. go nuts to the chair, you just whacks Rock in the head, and then Foley wins the like like, just for that alone, is the most Attitude Era-esque match probably back then, and at least I can think. So that match, it was, yeah, like I said, the, the most Attitude Era-booked match there was that I could remember. Um... And even Foley running around with the title, and you know, like my two little people at home, yo, I did it. But I'm pretty sure, didn't he say, yo, Adrian, I did it too? <laughs> like <laughs> yes, he qu- did. quoting Rocky as well. <laughs> yes, he
1: did. <laughs> you you got to respect him, man for, for pulling that stuff out. I believe he also talked about how he was going to go to Disneyland. Yeah, I probably. If, I think that was on the TF where he's like, "What are you gonna do now, the champion?" He's like, "I'm going to Disneyland."
0: I mean, that's what every yeah, Super Bowl like team it. said. It's a very cliche thing, and there, there is always the the joke of like, you know, oh, what is it? I'm forgetting it, but it's punchline. Foley goes for the cheap pops.
1: Yeah, well, pretty much. <laughs> Although he also does love going to like theme parks in Disneyland, so I think he legitimately was. Going yeah, to he to does. I think
0: he does. I think he legitimately <laughs> does love that shit. Yeah, Foley. It was a really fun moment to see Foley finally win the title. Um, and we all kind of thought, I mean, at that point he was going to be going to Mania as champion, but he didn't. The Rock did. But um, that that goes back to the thing of like, you know, he wasn't necessarily um, he wasn't necessarily like the Rock of the Austin type of guy, but he was like... I, I compare Foley's rise to the top similar to Daniel Bryan in the sense where He's not the guy the company wanted to push, and that they wanted to be the face of the company, but the fans wouldn't allow the company to deny them of how much they love this guy. I mean, uh,
1: yeah, it's, I it's can, sim- I can, similar.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, look. As far as in ring and character, they're polar opposites, McFoley and Daniel Bryan, <laughs> but but, yeah. but 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 as far as their connection with the crowd, it was very similar.
1: Mm, yes, I do see where you're coming from from that point of view, you know. Um, and I don't at all blame the WWE for not putting Mick Foley in like that WrestleMania main event because you know, logically, everybody knows it's gonna be Rock Austin, you know, yeah. So, or McFoley. you know, this. I don't even know do you re- compete with Rock and Austin, I know. you know. That's I scary. don't even
0: remember what Foley did that mania. Was he like a special guest referee or something? WrestleMania fifteen.
1: Um is that nineteen ninety
0: nine? I believe so. Yeah, it's I'm really not-
1: bad at like the numbers. I have to I go by the year. It's so it is n- yeah,
0: it's ninety nine because two thousand one was X seven, and that's like the best mania, best wrestling pay per view ever. Is yeah.
1: very very good. Yeah.
0: So yeah. So that I think Foley was a, involved as like a special ring enforcer for Rock and Austin's first Mania match. I think that's what it was.
1: Yeah. As I I can't remember him doing anything in a match. So I think he must have been like a guest enforcer or a special guest referee or or, or involved some way like that. You know.
0: It had Which to makes be.
1: Makes sense. You want to you want to keep him involved and busy, but also you know he. Of oh, bless him. might not be the main event at WrestleMania. I mean, he got there eventually.
0: He did, but it was still under, it, under the thing of like, you know, that's 2000. I believe, yeah, 2000, where it's like he was kind of shoehorned into the main event, you know, where it had the McMahon in every corner, Fatal 4-Way. I was like, uh, we don't want McMahons. Can't we just have a <laughs> – like we, we could easily just have this Fatal 4-Way without the involvement of the McMahons, you know, have four of the biggest stars at that time and just really try to capitalize on it. The finish could have been the same as well. The finish could have had Triple H going over, but wh- I never understood that, why they had to be a McMahon in every corner. You know?
1: Yeah, I grant you that. It was a little strange. You're like, well, it's good that we got Linda McMahon onto this pay-per-view. Thank God <laughs> for that. You know, not, not, <laughs> what? We didn't, didn't need that at all.
0: Vince, you know? Vince is probably thinking, oh, God damn it, what does this pay-per-view need? You got Shane, you got Stephanie, you got me. Oh, let's get Linda. Linda, call McFoley. Like, <laughs> pretty good, Vince. Oh, you thanks. Thank you. I, yeah. I. It can hurt my voice sometimes. If I go too long with that.
1: Yeah. You do Vince Russo.
0: Vince. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I think. I, I think. Uh, yeah, bro. You know, I was trying to come in and see. Mick Foley is the guy, bro. He's he's. Look, this is your life. Is still the best, highest rated segment. I did that, bro. <laughs> Dave melts the shits on it, but bro, that was my segment, bro. And you can't take that away from me, bro.
1: That's uh, that's really good as well. I gotta say, <laughs> and you got the uh, exact right amount of number of bros. <laughs> in the, and, so that's pretty I mean, as you can tell, me and Bryce. Maybe not the
0: best at, at Vince Russo impressions. Okay. Well, when I listen to the, your most recent episode, you guys are doing you guys have gotten a lot better with the impressions. I mean the more you do the <laughs> practice makes perfect, obviously. But I'm yeah. from the area, you know, the New York, New Jersey area, like that's uh, there I've met so many guys who speak like Vince Russo. So many. It's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, but, see, that's the thing. We don't we don't have that exposure. Like all all we can do is listen to Vince Russo T episode it's, over and over again. It's a good. thing.
0: It's a good thing you don't have the exposure because some of these people, <laughs> where, where I live, you, you're, you, you could be surrounded by a bunch of Vince Russos. Oh boy! And not I mean, in the not know. in the good way.
1: I don't know what the good way is.
0: <laughs> um, is I would say the good way is him making having those good ideas that made wrestling really great. Mm, I I would say that's the good way.
1: You gotta filter through like a hundred bad ideas to get that one good idea.
0: Yeah, that is very true. That's very true. That's why he had Vince back in the back in the Attitude Era. Anyway, exactly, exactly. Anyway,
1: yeah, I forgot. We were talking about Foley, Foley (laughs) but
0: but we did. We said Russo. Um, and in my impression, he he was behind the highest rated segment. I think still to this day, on Raw like rock. This is your life. Like it was over 9 million viewers. That's insane.
1: Yeah. Which is also weird because if you hear other people talking about that, they didn't like the segment because it went, apparently it went like way over time. Mm-hmm. So it screwed up the timing. Apparently it
0: Vince didn't like it either.
1: Vince didn't like it. Other people just thought like, this has nothing to do with wrestling. <laughs> Why is this yeah. taking up half an hour of our show? Yeah. Like, at <laughs> the time, the people involved didn't seem to be too invested in it. But, like you said, the audience did.
0: The audience is, ate a it segment
1: up. In, in wrestling history. And now, you might say that is dictated to ps for pro wrestling right now, where it has nothing to do with wrestling. It goes on way too long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, way too overindulgent. <laughs> And yeah. this man doesn't understand it. That's exactly yeah. where we're at right now. That is so... where we're at right now.
0: Yeah. Um, Ooh, so in oh, a dear. way, maybe Rock, this is your life ruined wrestling in a lot of ways. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny because I was actually talking to. I do another show. I'm gonna really fucking plug my my own shit now. But I do another oh. show. Oh, that wrestling doesn't make sense on on YouTube with another friend of mine. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. And we were talking about. High spots and and things like this, and we were talking about the blood and guts match from Made all up. Of wrestling. yeah yeah yeah, and how big big cage matches like that all feel ruined now ruin's probably not the right word, but impossible to top or you know the, the, it's a very daunting task to, to to try and do a big cage match because they have to follow in the footsteps of the hell in the cell match. That Hell in a cell match like changed the game overnight mm-hmm. um much like that you know this is your life segment does seem to like it's it's impacted the the current wrestling meta game a lot more than people thought it would mm-hmm. because now not only are big cage matches or big structure matches very prominent, but they also have the added pressure of trying to do a Mick Foley-esque bump in the middle of it, which is never a good idea because. You know, number one, Mick Foley probably shouldn't have been doing those bumps to begin with. And number two, not everybody is Mick Foley. So, you know, again, as much as I love that guy to death, he it, 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 just, just it, it, other people trying to imitate Mick Foley directly or indirectly has like, negatively affected uh, the wrestling business, I think. You know, if you think about it like that,
0: I see where you're coming from, especially with the whole Hell in a Cell thing. They, you know, there are people who are trying to get this. Well, I wouldn't say for WWE's Hell in a Cells in past recent years. I don't think we necessarily see those. The, the one that comes to mind is when Ambrose and Rollins had one back in like 2014 or 2015 um, where they both fell off the cell. But I can't really think of too many of them. But, I, but. There are some where like in the blood and guts match that recently just happened, you know, with the whole Jericho uh bump from MJF, um which <laughs> yep. which which personally I didn't mind the bump. I just hated how it was shot. I think that was the main problem. And Jericho like yeah. legitimately hurt himself. Like, I was when I was watching Dynamite this past week, uh I you know, I thought he was just selling the injury, but Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer apparently reported he actually fractured his elbow.
1: That blew my mind, dude. He took the safest looking bump in history. And I know, and he still hurt <laughs> he it. Still hurt himself. So. Hey, hey, and man! Mick, Mick Foley. Mick Foley took two of those bumps and kept on, and then was like, "Throw me on thumbtacks." <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know, anyway, keep going. Speaking of yeah, back to Foley, I guess. Um, so th- there's countless matches where we've seen Foley just again just take all these insane, crazy bumps. Um, I would say even the, his matches that he had in the early to mid-2000s, he's still going nuts. Like We think about like uh, the Triple H matches he had leading into that WrestleMania where he did the street fight and Royal Rumble and then the, the Hell in a Cell match and No Way Out. Mm. The, I mean, those two, I think, are two of Foley's all-time best matches, really. I.
1: Yeah, you know what? I, I think that the second Hell in a Cell match he did, the one against Triple H... I don't think that gets enough love. No, it doesn't. I, everybody talks about the street fight, and fair enough, dude. That street fight is incredible.
0: Oh, it is! It, it's it is so
1: so good. But I I think that it's so good that people kind of forget about the Hell in the Cell match, and that also has a lot of good stuff in it. You know that the end. You know the end spot. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, where he. Beautiful. You know, Foley wants to take this barbed wire, he just lit up on fire, and. Then he wants to pile drive uh, Triple H onto it. Then then Triple H just flips him over and boom, through the through the cell again. And he goes yeah. through <laughs> the ring. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, he does it again. I mean, with that, we have to imagine that Mick's like, all right, fuck it. Let's just do it. <laughs> Where he's like. Just- well,
1: yeah. Like the, the obviously the second bump has been gimmicked a lot because the the ring kind of collapses. Oh yeah, and it looks great. The like visually, like oh, every time they do that spot, like it it still pops me because you can usually make that look really well.
0: Yeah, so, and I think that's where they, so they did really well with that spot in that particular match.
1: Yeah, so I think that like you know, the second time around, the way they were able to persuade Foley to do it is that it was going to be a much safer and actually planned out bump, you know, mm-hmm. that they could gimmick and make it look great, but also make it look legit.
0: Yeah, know? and you, you you know, you legitimately worry for Foley. You're watching that like, Jesus Christ. Even like, earlier in the match when he, you know, dropped down to Triple H on the floor with the steel chair looked really brutal. Like, mm. and, and props to Triple H in both those matches, he, he got busted open really early in the beginning of both.
1: Mm, yeah, that's another thing. I think that, McFoley uh, a lot for Triple H, like to legitimize Triple H.
0: Mm-hmm, he did
1: as because uh, that was when tri- that was when Triple H was really starting to. That he, was his first title or his second title. Or, like, he was really he was
0: really starting to feel like a legitimate guy. He he stopped from going from like being Shawn Michaels like second hand or the the goofy funny leader of DX to being a really serious wrestler. You know that's when like Triple yeah. H became the game.
1: Exactly, and like to put over him being like a big badass. The like n- not just him beating McFoley, it's the way he did it made mm-hmm. him look like a badass, right? If he'd have just beaten McFoley in a street, rest of match that wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense. No, but when you see him like coming out of those matches, you're like, yes, you know, Mick Foley got the shit kicked out of him, but he also kicked the shit out of Triple H. You know, you've seen that bit where. Yeah, he gave yeah, he, he gave fighting?
0: Triple H a fight. That's sort of thing where like, you know, Foley may have lost those matches, but he still looked great coming out of them, you know, and that's something that's very I mean, lost in today's wrestling. And I think Foley doesn't necessarily get enough credit as far as him well, maybe maybe he does backstage, but maybe people may forget how much he gave to other wrestlers. I mean, we mentioned uh, how how great he made Triple H look. The the backlash two thousand four street fight he had with Randy Orton. He made Randy Orton look great. And Randy Orton was very early on in his career. He was IC champion at the time. You know, he had the great hardcore match with Edge. Like, he made a star out of Edge that night. Foley, like, was a star himself. So, it it's it's the age-old thing of, like, you know, use your older wrestlers to put over your new stars. Or your, your the guys you want to get over, you know?
1: Yeah, but that's, that's... what I think they always... They were always pretty smart about that with Mick Foley in that that's how you, you can really get somebody over is if they can do a good job against Mick foley because i you know obviously i'm biased because i think Mick foley is he's my favorite wrestler but Mm -hmm. i also think that he's such an instrumental part of the attitude era not because he was taking crazy bumps off you know because that's what people remember is him taking the bumps but that's not what made him so pivotal what made him so pivotal is if you think about all of the people he put over In the Attitude Era, you know, his work with Shawn Michaels, incredible. Mm -hmm. His stuff with The Undertaker, incredible. His stuff with Steve Austin, his stuff with The Rock, his stuff with Triple H. You know, like, those are all the big fucking contenders of the Attitude Era. And he worked with all of them, and he made them all look like a million bucks. Him McKeon, you know, he Mm -hmm. would be able to do stuff to help put over the big stars of that day. I think if you asked every single one of them, maybe not Shawn Michaels, because let's be honest, he had a pretty good career before Mick Foley rolled into time.
0: He did, he but did.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was doing all right for himself.
0: But they had great I'm chemistry like, together, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Well, Shawn Michaels can fucking... Yeah, it's Shawn Michaels.
0: Shawn Michaels... I'm trying to think of a shit wrestler, and I can't... <laughs> Shawn, Joey Janela. Joey Janela. <laughs> the, the, the Miz. Yes. <laughs> Even though I'm... Michaels and Miz probably had a match at some point, in in some form or another, but but that's that's just the 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 legacy of Shawn Michaels is that he is like arguably the greatest wrestler ever, so obviously he's gonna have a great chemistry with everybody, but but I see your point there. Every wrestler you have mentioned, and even when I mentioned Edge and, and Randy Orton, you know, Foley made these guys stars for bumping like crazy for them. You know, that's some and that's something I think a lot of casual fans don't understand that There are wrestlers who can make other wrestlers look amazing. And Foley, in that regard, did in a different way. Not so much like a Shawn Michaels or an AJ Styles, but like in his own unique way, he made guys look like stars. Um,
1: Exactly, dude. in his own way, because like Mick Foley was a -a one-of-a-kind person. So you mm -hmm. have to use that guy right. That's the variety of pro wrestling. Like, it's good that not everybody looks like The Rock, because then if they did, they would all be The Rock. But it's yeah. good to have The Rock and McFoley, and then the Big Show, and then the Undertaker, and then Chris Jericho, like all of these different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then you can get them to all work perfectly. That's really important. And I think another thing that's really important for like younger people who watch uh, these days, you know, another thing that they might not realize or or even like take in regarding the McFoley stuff is, uh, the best people that worked with McFoley. You'll see it. We can talk about it with the Randy Orton stuff or the Triple H e stuff. That'll stick out in your mind. You watch the way they react to Mick Foley. Like that shit's so important. Yeah. The way that, like, when Mick Foley takes his shirt off and it's it's the Cactus Jack t-shirt underneath and Triple H e is shitting himself because he realizes he has to fight yeah, Cactus Jack. Yeah,
0: that's the other big thing. And, you know, Foley had, as we all know, these three unique characters of Mankind, Cactus Jack and Dude Love and there was like a different level of intensity with each guy and he really he wasn't just a guy Foley wasn't changing his costumes or his ring attire when he became those characters he was changing his personality like an actor would, you know? Dude Love was a very much of a, like, have mercy, very, you know, ladies man he was Yeah, he was a fun guy. He You know, he could he played up the heel role as well when he was fitting with Austin and Dude Love, but like, Mankind was, you know, there, there are two separate sides to Mankind, where we saw the crazy sadistic Mankind, and then we see the the real side of Mick Foley Mankind when we saw him win the title, when he was working with The Rock, and we'll get to Rock and Sock Connection in a little bit, but Cactus Jack is like the most dangerous side of Mick Foley. Like, like you just said, like watching those matches with Triple H and Randy Orton. Like, they are, they, they're legitimate. They they sell for him. They look scared. That oh shit, Cactus Jack is coming. Even the Raw when Cactus Jack debuted and he faced Triple H. Yes, like that oh, one. Like,
1: it the, it like, was Street Fighter or something. Then yeah, they had, like they. Match? I
0: think so. It was some kind of hardcore match. Or street Fight. Mankind and Dude Love are speaking to each other. And then he comes Cactus so the- Jag. <laughs> like, yeah, on the, on the big screen. They're all having a chat. <laughs> like, uh, I love that dude, dude Love's on the on the Titan Tron. And then he comes, oh, it's my dude Mankind. Hit me up here. And then you, you clearly he see they... high five to himself. Yeah. And then JR and King are like... Uh, King's like, look at him, he's crazy, JR. He's talking to himself.
1: Like... now here's what's weird about that. Like... Uh, is kind of goofy and silly right but that was the attitude era but that but that worked for that guy it did it did you know what i mean like that the thing about that is what happened there was mick foley did some camera trickery right nobody nobody's saying wait a minute i guess they're three different people right
0: (laughs) i mean idiots would think that but yes vince was
1: like how did you do it bro i saw you what the heck? Um, you oh. know, so I thought it was a rib, uh, but, um, but, oh, but it's, it's, it's still not, you know, it, it works for the mankind character and it's not outside the realms of possibility. It's like kind of, it's got that goopiness that mankind would bring to something. Mm-hmm. When Cactus Jack comes out, it's all business. it's all serious. Like it's played. like, oh no, yes.
0: That's when you knew shit was going bad when Cactus Jack was coming to to fight. Like because those two Triple H matches in the early 2000s, that was Cactus Jack versus Triple H. It wasn't Mick Foley. That was Cactus yeah. Jack. He wore the, the shirt and he had cactus on his on his uh on his tights. You know, that's when you knew shit was going bad with Mick Foley. Like if you if you pissed him off enough, Cactus Jack is coming. It it, it, exactly. it reminds me. It reminds me similar to like when the demon was used with Finn Balor. Um, because in the main roster, it was like, I mean, that's another podcast for another day about Finn Balor, but I think with his thing in the beginning with the, with the demon, like I remember reading reports that Vince said he didn't want it to be, um, he wanted it to be special. He didn't want it to be like overused. And there were certain points where the demon was special. And when he did come out, it was uh, a thing. So like the wrestlers would sell like, Oh no, the demons here. I, I, I I'm in trouble, and it's a similar right. thing with with Cactus Jack, McFoley being Cactus Jack. Like, oh no, Cactus Jack is here. I thought I was getting Mankind or Dude Love or or whoever, and that also exactly. brings to like the Royal Rumble where he showed up as all three.
1: <laughs> he didn't <laughs> d- didn't win it. No three chances. <laughs> he still couldn't win it. Oh. Um, but th- that's a really important thing because uh, even then you get across the idea. That the mindset is different for all these three, because then you really do start to think, oh, the, well, the gimmick is he has this split personality because the gimmicks are all the they're all very different, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So, if you love, you would imagine, you know, you have won the lottery with that one. He's probably going to be the easiest one to take down because his mindset is more on loving and you know he's doing a dance. But on the flip side, the Cactus Jack persona has spent years you know, getting the shit kicked out of him and fighting back. That's the hardened battle worn mindset to Mick Foley. And you're like, well, I don't want that one because that one's good. You know, When he's in that mood, then he's going to be really violent.
0: Yep. Whereas when you're he's in, for a in the do
1: love mood. Yeah. When he's in the dude love mood, we could maybe just sit around drinking champagne, you know, but, <laughs> and then when he's, when he's mankind, that's like the wild card. You're like, I don't know what's going to happen. You don't you know, know if you're gonna it, get it,
0: crazy it, mankind or if you're gonna get like McFoley Mankind. You don't know. Mankind.
1: Exactly. You know, he could be talking to you with a sock puppet, or he could be putting that sock puppet down your throat. You mm-hmm. don't know with mankind. So he's like the perfect in between. And they play it like that and they don't they don't stray outside the realms of of the logical possibilities that they've already set in place, right? Mm-hmm. And it's I, I do see where you're coming from with the the Finn Balor thing because it is a spectacle and when they do it right and they do it. Like, it's a great entrance. It looks brilliant, and you always get the idea, especially in the early days, that uh, the demon Finn Balor had a different mindset to just Finn Balor. And Mm -hmm. then when he dressed up – not when he dressed up, but you know what I mean? Like, whenever he was – Yeah, but when he was
0: in the paint. I know what you mean.
1: Yeah. When he was fully in the demon, you're like, well, now his mindset is different, and he's up to something. So, like, that's all believable. Plus, he yes, wor- exactly.
0: worked differently when he's the demon, and same as Foley when he he worked differently in the ring as these characters, and that's what made him so great. The other thing with the with going to mankind, you know, one of the greatest success stories of the Attitude Era being the Rock and Sock connection. I mean, you 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 <laughs> yeah. took two complete polar opposite characters, two guys mm-hmm. who hated each other and who who feuded <laughs> with, like like Rock. Beat the living shit out of mankind, hit him with a steel yeah. chair on the head over and over and over again with his wife and his two kids in the front row. Just, but, and thing then,
1: but that is, he did that like seven months prior to them being a tag team. Yes, you know? that, that is true. Like,
0: time, <laughs> you know, time happens, wounds heal, and all that, and all that shit. Well, but
1: The Rock was probably like, you know, I've hit Mick Foley over the head with 17 chairs. He's not going to remember. <laughs> <He'd> probably think are <laughs> friends, you know? <laughs>
0: But it goes to like, we see the whole Mr. Socko thing. We saw that in the first, when Vince was in the hospital, like, hey, it's Mr. Socko. And people just took to that. And then Nick wanted to, like, <laughs> I, I want us to be known as the greatest tag team in the World Wrestling Federation ever. And then Rock and Saw Connection, you know, they'd be in the ring together. And you see, um, uh, Rock's doing his, his stick. And he's like, and nobody, and the Rock means... And then Foley just cuts him, and the Rock means nobody. It's <laughs> just kind of like, oh, shit. Yes, and Rock right, would it's, scold it's, at him. He's like, dude, you just stepped on my line.
1: <laughs> it's Again, it's like the two guys knowing exactly what character they're playing because the, the way the Rock would look at Mick Foley, you know, like with that, that look of disgust on his face, you know he doesn't want to be part of that team. But at the same time, whenever they were in a team, Rock would fight just as hard as he always did because Mm -hmm. he was on a team with he might not like the guy but he was on a team with this guy and so he was gonna look after his teammate and so like that dynamic god i wish that's one thing you you just wish they'd been able to do that a bit longer and you know yeah logically they couldn't because the rock
0: the rock is is the rock and 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 mankind is mankind. they're two they were two huge stars on their own like it's hmm. probably t- still today the best odd couple pairing WWE has ever done. T- like, like yeah. th- they were the most successful odd couple tag team. And that and there was a <laughs> yeah. shit ton of them back back then. <laughs> There's there so uh, yeah, I mean yes, uh, well, <laughs> at least back listen, I will take two mega stars who who work well and have great chemistry together as an odd couple tag team rather than Two people who still need a lot of work and have zero chemistry together any day yeah. of the week.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find an odd couple better than the Rock and, and Mankind. They're you could really
0: argue a few, but but to me, Rock and Mankind tough, though, just they tough. they just stand out as the best. You know, I mean, we talked about this as your life before. I mean, I my favorite part of that entire segment is the end. Was supposed to be for Rock's birthday. He's like, "Well, the Rock appreciates everything you do for here." The Rock's <laughs> birthday is May nineteenth. You dumb son of a bitch.
1: <laughs> what I love about that is the Rock just let all—he let it happen. He was like, "Yep, do the whole thing."
0: This is not right, but I'll—I'll I'll see. I'll—I'll yeah, I'll humor it. him. I'll humor him.
1: Yeah, I'll take a kick. Yeah, if you're giving that kick, I'll
0: take a kick. Oh, I get to talk shit about my high school gym coach. Why don't you take that whistle, <laughs> shine that some <laughs> bitch up sideways, and stick it up your candy ass, like? That's it's, it was just the best of both of them. They brought out the best, like you know, Rock going like, "and the millions and millions, and then mankind going with the dozens and dozens. <laughs> mankind. Exactly,
1: right. The, the, the modesty between the two of them, you know what I mean? Like the Rock is very flamboyant and and talks about his millions of fans, and Mick Foley is a little bit more modest. And he's like, "Well, there's probably four people who like me." You know. Where
0: the whole crowd is cheering for him just as much as they are the Rock.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's like... But but again, the joke works because like, you know, the the comedy works in a in a in a wrestling point of view. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not just doing it. like again like the, You could if if you really wanted to, I'm sure you could scrutinize that segment for for being a little bit outrageous. But the point, the crux of the segment is these two people don't really get along. Well, they're trying to get along to be a tag team. Yeah. And and you really and the crowd
0: the crowd too. was eating it up. That's the thing. The crowd was eating it up. And he, and even like um Foley said he's like you know some people like it was in the uh Mick Foley attitude the Monday Night Wars episode I was watching on the network like where they're saying like the names that Foley was given were not the names that were appearing up on the on the screen. It's like it's like <laughs> rock here's your third grade teacher Miss uh Mrs Parker and then it shows uh Miss Adler on the third <laughs> yeah. like your third grade history teacher and then it says third grade English teacher
1: That's, but nobody like, cares right no, nobody, nobody cared ca-
0: nobody cared it was so good
1: but, but a part of that is because Rock and Mick Foley both are tremendous on the mic yeah, absolutely. They're, they, they activate people and of course the rock does because he just exudes charisma like you listen you listen to him when he talks you just do and yeah. again because mick foley's a different kind of cat he has a very different verbiage and a different um, way of speaking but again he knows what he's talking about he's the incredible promo that guy that guy can talk right mm-hmm. he's a smart dude that's the thing if, like if you're going to be a good promo you have to be a smart dude and the rock and mick foley two of the I would say two of the best promos in the business. So if you give them half an hour to just make fun of clowns and the rocks, high school teachers, you know what I mean? They'll they'll run with <laughs> they it. They will they, they will they, run they, with it. They will have the power to to have that audience captivated again. It's like the Shawn Michaels thing, but with um a, a goofy gimmicky segment. It's like they can make anything good. Right? Yeah, and I think that's part of the problem these days is that a lot of a lot of people. Don't expect when they become a professional wrestler to start doing bullshitty comedy segments mm-hmm. on Raw, right? That's just not part of their their gimmick. They don't expect to do that. But the Rock and McFoley just—you would imagine—that's the kind of stuff they were doing to each other backstage. Anyways. Yeah, just so like,
0: ri- ribbing each other, trying to pop each other, and then you know, Foley talks about like you know, like uh, the the ratings. There's always like Foley says in his little segment in the episode where he's like, you know. We were literally at war with WCW and we were fighting for our jobs. And Rock comes up to me after the week after the This Is Your Life segment, he goes, You hear about the ratings. He's like, Nobody wanted to be a part of that segment that made people switch the channel over to WCW. When he told me the rating, I thought he was joking me. I thought he was just ribbing me. It's like, you know, nine, ten thousand, however much it was. And that's really when the the uh, people really started switching over. The other thing I failed to mention with the whole Foley winning the the title was that episode of Raw was pre-taped, so yes. and uh, Raw wasn't live every week on Monday like it, like it is now, at least for a little while back in the Attitude era. Um, so Bischoff would try and get spoilers on WCW and be like, "Why would you want to tune it Tune into what happens there? This is mm-hmm. what happened there. Not much." And then he, he gives the results of what happened on on Raw. Tony Schiavone, he he'd read them to Tony Schiavone, and Schiavone would say them over the over the uh, the, the, the feed. Um, mm-hmm. So th- when he was told. Mankind's winning the title. He, try, he, he They even had Shivani in there. He's like, I was told to make it as awful sounding as it could be. It's like, oh, don't even think about switching the channel over to uh, to WF Raw. Here, Mankind, Mick Foley, he's going to be winning their title. <laughs> yeah, that'll put butts in seats. That's really, and Shivani just. Butt- it did. It, it, unbelievably, yeah. it
1: put butts in seats.
0: And Shivani, I mean, he was just doing his job, you know? He had to do yeah. what he had to do. But that's such a boneheaded move by WCW. You you are pretty much saying, "Hey, there's a title change <laughs> happening. Hey, this yeah. guy the fans love, he's going to win the title. Why would you do that?"
1: <laughs> well, not just the guy that the fans love. In, a, in another case of WCW letting go of a guy, like, there there is a guy that you saw nothing in. Yep, that Vince McMahon that's did true. see something in. He made the, he became the champion, and once again, you look like an idiot. Like, that's not the first time Eric Bischoff has let somebody go and they go to the WWE and make a fucking million dollars off it. You Chris, know? Chris Jericho, so,
0: Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, there's a few.
1: Steve Austin.
0: Yes, yeah, Steve Austin, the biggest one. <laughs> like, <laughs> like as,
1: you got to You got, as Eric, like, for Eric Bischoff by that point to see all these other guys going over there, especially Steve Austin that he had contracted and he let go and then he does it to Mick Foley, you're like, you got to be. It's not a. Like, b- what? Like you're smart. Like Bischoff
0: was yeah. smarter than that. Like I don't yeah. know. Maybe he just tried. It. I would have thought so. He did what he tried. I mean, I guess at the time he did what he tried to do to try and make people to keep watching WCW and it just backfired. Probably didn't. Probably uh, didn't, probably didn't even think of like, oh, this is foolproof. And like, oh no, it's not. <laughs> they they switched. Well,
1: that's, that's one of the things I don't. I didn't like too much about WCW in that time period was that they did a lot of. Um,
0: Underhanded stuff. They did a lot
1: of stuff, not not that, but they did a lot of stuff that, that broke kayfabe. Yeah, they did a lot of stuff like that, and they would say, "Oh, the show's been taped. Ah, you, we already know what's going to happen." And I'm like, that kind of ruins the fun. And then I think, yeah, I think it ruins the fun because then when people did switch over, they weren't taught. They they didn't give a shit that it was taped because yeah. that wasn't the point of it. They just saw Mick Foley winning the belt that he yeah, the people wanted him.
0: And there were a lot of people back then who were like, who would probably flip flop between Raw and 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 Nitro and be like, and I mean, enough people were watching both to be like, oh, Mick Foley's going to win the title, cool. Um, you know, we talked about Foley's career overall. We've said like, you know, how just the amazing stuff he did, even toward the t- tail end of his career, putting over guys like Edge and Randy Orton. I mean, he did come back, you know, in the 2010s. He wasn't really wrestling. Uh, he'd show up here and there. Like I remember, he showed up during like CM Punk's feud with like John Laurinaitis, of all people. Um, <laughs> which I don't know. Um, I don't know if you ever heard ever heard about this story, but did you know, like in two thousand August two thousand twelve, Dean Ambrose was trying to get a match with McFoley at SummerSlam that year.
1: Uh yes, I did know that because they uh, they actually came surprisingly close. Yeah, to getting that done because I think Moxley was in. FCW at the time. He mm-hmm. had just started there, and they were. this was right before NXT became a thing. And before they were, way
0: before The Shield, too.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Way before he got called up to the main roster. So they were trying to think of stuff for Moxley to do. I think he did something with William Regal. If mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken.
0: I'm not and sure, but I'll I take th- your word for it.
1: I'm, I think he did something with William Regal, and I, I feel like the reason he did that thing with William Regal is because the Mick Foley thing didn't work out. Like, they were going to oh, – okay. they were seriously close to doing an angle. Yeah, with Foley. like,
0: he was – Moxley was showing up to, like, mm-hmm. signings Foley was going to. Like, trying to make it feel real and organic. But, like, I guess Foley – it says, like, doctors couldn't medically clear him for in-ring competition. But could you imagine that? Like, yeah. John Moxley, Dean Ambrose like, versus Mick Foley? Like – That,
1: to me, would be – you know how people were like
0: Sting in the Undertaker that's going to be like
1: a dream match but mm-hmm. you know let's Sting in the Undertaker in like whatever you know 2017 or whatever that's we all know that's not going to be a good match right
0: it would <laughs> i mean it could have been passable it, it could have been passable but but yes yes
1: and to me I'm like cuz I love I love Dean Ambrose and or John Moxley if you will and the idea of my all-time favorite Mick Foley possibly fighting against this new guy who I just discovered called John Moxley really that that got me interested. I'm like, this could be incredible. And again, you know that, you know, by that point Mick Foley wouldn't be able to do a lot. But because the two of them were so smart they could have worked incredible. They could have exactly. worked
0: around it. If if doctors had those, cleared those Foley guys- Oh, I you
1: guys could definitely have figured out a way around
0: that. I mean, you know? s- you can when you watch like really hardcore like CZW matches, Moxley has done, or even even the the uh, the lights out match he did with Omega in full gear in 2019. Like you see, Moxley is heavily influenced by hardcore wrestling from guys like McFoley as Cactus Jack, you know the the uh, the exploding barb the the barbar bar death matches in japan you know guys like mm. yuji nagata just like moxley is a fan of everything and foley is a big influence as far as the hardcore stuff like i i've seen videos where like someone took like a chainsaw and like is starting to like use it against moxley's head and czw like oh my god this guy's insane so i could imagine that i could imagine the stuff they're both very smart guys where they could have worked things around where mick could do the best he could where he's not really getting hurt so much, and he's making Moxley look like an absolute star. Unfortunately, that never happened. But he did get inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2013 by Terry Funk.
1: Yeah, 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 boy. Him and Terry Funk have had some some good times. They have. What we, what we say
0: some um, say, some say too much good times.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, they beat the hell out of each other. Oh a yeah, a lot. Yeah, and uh, it's always lots of fun. I think they they must have done that in the big 3. I I know that Cactus Jack and Terry Funk had a thing in ECW. Yeah, they did. And I feel like they would have been around in WCW at the same kind of time.
0: They I, they I also I can't
1: remember if they did something in WCW, but I think they did in WWF.
0: They also uh, cuz they had like a love-hate thing I think on on mm-hmm. on screen uh Foley and Funk, but real life they're really good friends. Um I know they also were a part of the ECW One Night Stand pay-per-views as well. The, the two that they did, I think Foley was either wrestling against or teaming with Terry Funk uh, in one or two of those. He, he did that there, um, you know.
1: And then the Japan matches, of course, that they yeah, and where he also
0: where where he also lost his ear to Vader as well.
1: Oh, that was in Germany, was, I think.
0: It was in Germany, but like even still, like go- going back then, like yeah, exactly. th- that's kind of like, some stuff we we kind of skipped over. Like yeah, that's what got him to the dance to come to the states for like WCW and ECW. Like the shit he did in Japan, the stuff he did with the the famous Vader match. Like that's a big reason yeah. why Cactus Jack wasn't working in ECW because he was around everybody who was doing the exact same thing as him.
1: Well that's a, well I think part of the reason why he worked in ECW was because he uh, started the anti hardcore thing. Yes. Because up to that point Mick Foley Cactus Jack even by that point by the time he got to uh, ECW which would have been what was that in 94 or 5 think um, something like that. By that point, people knew him for taking bumps and for being a hardcore guy, right? So Mm -hmm. once they saw him in ECW, everybody was like, this is perfect. This is exactly where Mick Foley should be. You know, he's going to finally be able to do all these hardcore bumps and and make us all so happy. And then he comes out and does this anti-hardcore thing where he won't do any hardcore matches. And he loves Eric Bischoff. Like, he he even wore the big Eric Bischoff's face on him. Call him Uncle Eric, and the crowd (laughs) hated him. Yeah, they
0: they talked about that in the Monday Night Wars thing. Paul Heyman's like, you know, to mix credit, he took an incredibly huge risk in ECW with doing that.
1: He could have got like all he had to do was keep doing his thing, and he would have got over perfectly with that audience. But he didn't. Like he flipped the script and made some like you've seen the promos he did from ECW. That shit was incredible. Know what I mean? Like. Even then, you're like, this guy, he knows his shit.
0: I think because he really just wanted to, like, because there were so many other guys like him doing a similar thing, he didn't just want to be another fish in the pond. He wanted to stand out. To his credit, he did, not as a babyface, but for sure as a heel. Um, mm-hmm. But that's not what the fans wanted to see Mick Foley at. They wanted to see Cactus Jack. They wanted to see him in ECW, which for a brief time, he was. He was Cactus Jack, like the Cactus Jack we all know and love. Yeah. But he wa- But he did it. He made a, a career decision, you know, uh, jumping back. Oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Well, I, sorry. I I think that that's a really important thing as well, that, um, that younger people need to take, take attention to as well. In that Mick totally could have just done his same old thing and probably gotten over with the audience, Mm -hmm. but he showed a whole other side to himself by doing that, that heel stuff and do a lot more promo work than he was doing before. He showed like, that's that's really important. Is that people these days, for sure, think you have to give everybody everything all the time. That's not the smart way to do things. No, no, it's the not. The smart way to do things is to give people what they, not what they think they want, but what you know they want. You know what I mean? And that reminds me of a like it was a quote Terry Funk said to somebody one time. I think it was he was working Balls Mahoney in ECW. They were having a match. And they weren't even doing anything too, you know, crazy. But the audience started chanting boring at them, right? At a, a, a Terry Funk, for fuck's sake. The audience, a very fickle ECW hardcore audience, started chanting, chanting, hard, uh, started chanting boring to Terry Funk. So what he did was, he, whatever they were doing, he got up and uh, just put Balsam Honey in a headlock, bam, in the middle of the ring and just sat down. Let and let let them boo him. (laughs) He said. He says to Balls Mahoney, "Listen, man, always remember this: they're not working us; we're working them." I'm like, that's
0: that's that's that is it.
1: That's it. That's that's because everybody wanted to do some big dive or flip or whatever, and he said, "Fuck that!" And he sat in the middle of the ring with a headlock for ten minutes. Like that's what people don't get these days.
0: And that's That's, what Foley was trying to do. That's what he was trying to do in ECW. He wasn't trying to just. You know, go with the status quo. He was trying to stand out, and he was working the crowd, as Terry Funk was saying to mm-hmm. Balls Mahoney. Um, and it makes we... sense. It's like it's so obvious. Yeah, you know, it's their
1: business. They know what they're doing. The audience, the audience think they know. And That's always the hook. If you let the if you let the audience control the magician show, it's not going to be very good. You know, but if the if the magician makes you think you're in control, and he's pulling the strings the whole time, it's gonna be great.
0: Yeah, I mean. To, to be fair, though, modern-day WWE could use a lot of more fan input because th- they think everything they're doing is great, which is not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we talked briefly that Foley got inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2013, which is a, re- a really fun fun clip after his uh, induction. He just goes, I never beat Chris Jericho, and then Chris Jericho's like, that's right, you never will. So they have a little fun <laughs> little spot. To, like Foley hits him in the head, and then Punk comes in and does the three count one two three and (laughs) foley pins jericho at the hall of fame which is nice and fun
1: exactly it's a wonderful thing and like if you look at all three of those guys it's it's perfect for all of them right yeah it's it's that kind of goofy mankind thing that he would do and jericho being this like arrogant heel
0: always willing always willing to uh Jericho always willing to make a fool out of himself as a heel. I don't think he was a heel that year, but in that particular situation, they were having fun. They were having fun. Yeah, exactly. Punk also being a big fan of Foley. Yes, in that little tiny mini storyline. And at least the last few parts of Mick Foley we saw in WWE, he was the Raw general manager for a while, um, which wasn't great.
1: very famously brought out the 24-7 championship.
0: Uh, let's let's just not talk it's about that.
1: Everybody's life it changed <laughs> wrestling as as we for, know it for the worse. We're, well, I'm not arguing that at all. <laughs>
0: um, I think this is a, probably a good time uh, to compare Raw General Manager Foley to Commissioner R- Mick Foley. Uh,
1: well, the, I mean, it's got to be Commissioner Foley. Obviously,
0: it's Commissioner Foley, but got to be Commissioner Foley. Foley was like demeaned every chance they had to put him and Stephanie on screen together like every chance it's just like Stephanie's just belittling Mick Foley and she's belittling tr- decisions he makes or lack thereof it's just like what what, why are you doing this to this man why are you doing this to Mick Foley
1: yeah well I think again it's part of their like lack of long term logistical storyline stuff because if you look at it from uh from that kind of point of view, Stephanie McMahon was kind of a heel. She was like the authority ish kind of person, you know. She was she was the uh, authority figure that people could hit and sh- therefore she was being a bitch about it, right? Mm-hmm. And to be fair, very easy to hit Stephanie McMahon. She's 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 very good at that. You got to say very very yeah, good. yeah. She's at, great at playing at a heel. heel. She's great at that. Yeah. The problem is, like nowadays, if you look at Stephanie McMahon. She's not on TV, and then when she is on TV, she's just, like, bigging up the women, and that's kind of it. Like, they didn't... Mm. If if Stephanie McMahon was still a heel authority figure today, all that Mick Foley stuff would have made sense. But as... But, of course, as it is it now, doesn't, it's just somebody... But that's the thing, thing is, like... With, with an old man, you know? With,
0: with Steph, It's just another McMahon in power, and this... We, we've seen it before, you know? And Stephanie, like, you know, at that time, nobody was going to get revenge off of her until Ronda finally came in. But I think with that, like one of the things one of my favorite things of Foley, and this is another like segment of his, when he was Commissioner Foley, and Mm -hmm. I believe he was Commissioner Foley, I I could be wrong. But when him and The Rock are standing in the ring together and they're just going back and forth, this is way after Rock and Stock connection. He's like, you know, I mean, I hope that's what, is that what you think, Rock? He's like, well, it's like, it doesn't matter what you think. It yeah. gets one on the rock, and then the added <laughs> bit of him rolling out of the ring, running around going, Foley, <laughs> Foley, 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 and Rock in the ring just yep. having a smirk on his face, being like, ah, he got me. <laughs> he got him. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean,
1: I love that because the rock because it's genuine the rocks like shit do he got like live on tv he's he like he's he trying
0: it. not to laugh he's trying not to laugh but he knows fully got him and that's that was so great about those segments too is that they just let people be them they just let them go out there and be like all right cool like it, it worked it yeah. it just it just worked you know um
1: i don't know if you ever heard this story it, it's in the i think it's in his first book um, but Mick Foley tells a story where they were doing a high show and on high shows you have a little bit more freedom yeah. to, to kind of clown around and stuff like this. And I think that it must've been the last segment or something was the, the feel good, you know, send the audience home happy. And it was somebody coming out and maybe it was like after a TV taping. Cause you know, sometimes after a taping, they'll, you know, all the big stars will come out. Yeah. they have some the dark videos,
0: segments. Whatever. Yeah, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it was something like that. And, and, he sent, I think they sent The Godfather out, and he came out and started talking about how pimping ain't easy. And then <laughs> The Rock came out and interrupted him, and he came up with some kind of rhyme. I don't remember what he said, but it was like, you know, not pimping ain't easy, but something else, you know. And then Steve Austin came out. And so like, there's a big list of people who just kept coming out one after each other because they kept coming up with a new rhyme. Pimpin' Ain't Easy, and Mick Foley comes out, and he's talking about, he's like, let me interrupt you guys, I gotta tell you, you know, your stories are lovely, but this all of this reminds me about the time I used to work on, on a crab fishing boat, you know, we'd be out on the high seas for days, we'd, we'd be away from our families, we'd have to work this machinery, the the, the sea would be just beating on us, a day in and day out. Let me tell you fellas, shrimpin' ain't easy, and the fucking, <laughs> like, to cried losing. <laughs> shrimp shrimp, and ain't, shrimp
0: and ain't easy. Shrimp ain't easy. That's such a Foley thing to do. A Foley
1: thing. Because it's you can't.
0: Foley because Foley. you can't see Mick Foley being a pimp ass guy. <laughs> you can't see him being like a player type of guy. He's a family type of guy. Oh shrimp man, and ain't shrimp and ain't easy. easy. And it's just cheap so, little like puns yeah, too. That's a Foley such thing. A
1: joke. It's <laughs> is a terrible <laughs> joke. But then again, when you see Mick Foley doing it, you're like, God damn it, he did it again. But it's
0: Foley, though. It's Foley. Oh, yeah. man. I think, um, I guess the last few bits of this, this episode, man, um, I guess we could just talk about uh, what our favorite things about Foley was. Uh, first, I'll ask, and probably, I, you probably gave this answer, but you'd say your favorite Foley match is the, the Hell in a Cell match, Taker?
1: Uh, probably. I mean, it's incredible. You know? Um but I do like the ones with Triple H as well. And then kind of like a low key favorite of mine is SummerSlam ninety nine main event, which is Steve Austin versus Triple H versus Mankind. Oh I forgot about that. I remember one. what... I, it I'll be honest with you, it's not like a great match, but it's a very nostalgic match for me mm-hmm. because like I said, at the time because it was so hard for me to watch I can't you know, I couldn't just go on to the network and watch a Mick Foley match back in the year two thousand. It was very hard for me to find an actual Mick Foley match and my friend had SummerSlam 99 on a VHS tape. Wow. Back in the day. And I watched this Mick Foley match, uh, and it was for the championship. And I'm like, let's be honest here, fellas. Steve Austin, Triple H, Mankind. I think I know who the odd one out is. You know, I think I know he's going to lose. And son of a bitch. M- m- like, Mick Foley won. He he won the championship. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, I, I marked out. Like, I, you know, jumped up and was like, so happy. Neglected the fact. Mick Foley's title reign at SummerSlam ninety nine lasted for one day. He lost it the day after that yeah. on Raw to Triple H. But I, I couldn't give a shit. I'm like, he did it. Like that's he beat Steve Austin. Yeah. It's a big deal. It is. Know?
0: It was. I forgot about that one. I mean, for me, uh obviously you think about the Taker uh Hell saw match. You you think about um, uh, you know, I mentioned like the Randy Orton match he had Backlash O four. Um man, my favorite Foley match though. I I would have to say it's between the two Triple H matches, between uh yeah. Royal Rumble and No Way Out. It's between those two. Um I I'm, I'm not sure which one I like more. They're both just so good. Each one is great in its own way. But it's between those two. Maybe the Hell in a Cell match by a hair, but it was just such a great match, both of them. Um and then uh what, what would you say favorite Foley segment you've ever seen?
1: Oh, it's gotta be, it's gotta be some of the Commissioner Foley stuff he did with uh, Edge and Christian. Because I remember watching that, like at the time, loving it. And you know, you you just end up being, you 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 become endearing to these people. Like Edge and Christian are heels, but they're clowning around, so yep. you feel like empathy for them, and and then you just you you end up you know loving those guys. So it was it's like oh man. It was one on an episode of Sunday Night Heat, the, I, so I don't even know if other people have seen this, but Edge and Christian were the tag team champions, and Christian wanted some double gold, so he wanted a shot at a title, and Mick Foley said, I'll let you have a title shot, but it's for the light heavyweight championship, which means you have to drop 10 pounds by the end of the night, and... So the whole rest of Sunday Night Heat is a, a, like skits backstage with Christian trying to lose weight and Mick <laughs> Foley like egging them on and stuff. And then they have the match at the end of the night, and Christian's exhausted from all the training, so he loses the match. And like that whole, <laughs> that's perfect. You know? That's
0: great. Um, it's I could, a great
1: use for Sunday Night Heat. You that know? is a great that's, use.
0: That's excellent. Yeah. I, I probably could say. I mean, the cliche one is probably uh, Rock. This is your life, but just my favorite overall thing and funniest thing Mick Foley has done in my opinion is we just talked about a few minutes ago is when he just gets one over on the rock and goes it yeah. doesn't matter what like with the full him running around the rings chanting his own name like I, I piss my pants every time I watch that I, um, I
1: think that's what does it it's it's a victory lap
0: yeah that's Isn't that's it, that's what gets it yeah. is the victory lap yeah. um <laughs> He's so happy and finally what is your favorite uh, character of Mick Foley, whether it be Cactus Jack, Mankind, Dude Love, or just Mick Foley himself in later years.
1: Uh, I always had a soft spot for Mankind because, and I never really liked. I understood the old Mankind with the 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 kind of brown um, leggings and and brown shirt and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But it always it tickled me to no end that uh, Mick Foley as Mankind. His, his wrestling attire was like a shirt and a tie and a regular. Like he, he just yeah. looked like he worked at an office and he just went. Like, for some reason, they just kept that as his wrestling attire. And I thought when you look at Mick Foley as a, as a total package, right, he's, he's a wrestler who doesn't look like a wrestler. He doesn't talk like anybody else talks. His, his wrestling, everybody else who wrestles, you know they're showing a bit of, a bit of peck. You know, a little bit of upper body action. Mm-hmm. He's turning up in a suit and tie for, for no reason. <laughs> and and also a face mask. Like, you know what I mean? Like, everything about him was so unlikely to succeed, you know. And then whenever he does finally succeed, I think it, it all adds to the package, you know. Yeah, I feel um, you. Um, I feel like with him as mankind it it that's that's going to be the way you you remember him.
0: So. Probably for sure. Mankind I'd have to say. I have to agree there. But I think maybe my favorite hit, his character as far as the matches probably is Cactus Jack for me. Um mm. just because you know those Triple H matches that stand out, the Randy Orton match, um you know the street fight with him and Triple H on Raw when they introduced Jack, Jack, uh, Cactus Jack on Raw for the first time. I felt like some cuz it's obviously cuz as we all know, Foley is a hardcore legend and maybe the best hardcore wrestler who ever lived. Maybe we didn't get too crazy into his hardcore stuff, but I always just enjoyed him as, as far as the match quality goes, cactus Jack was, was always like the best work rate, I guess I could say if that makes yeah, any sense.
1: I mean, I get that. I do get that. It felt like there was more intensity whenever he was cactus Jack and, yeah. and things got a little bit more physical. So yeah, I could see that.
0: Yeah, I think so. Anyway, I think that kind of wraps things up here. Uh, Dylan, thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, why don't you plug all your stuff and where everybody can find you?
1: Hey, thank you. Well, thank you very much for having me on, dude. I really appreciate it. This of was course. lovely. I love, love talking with Mick Foley. I, um, me and my friend Bryce do a show called Making Kayfabe. It's available on all the good podcasting networks, and it's on YouTube as well. And we've been going for a couple of, like a almost a year maybe a year, longer than a year, and we're going on season four that's important so if you're listening to this now, go on podcast apps search for making k Fabe we 're on season four it's gonna be really good, lots of good stuff and then I also have another show I do on youtube called wrestling doesn 't make sense it 's a youtube exclusive show, so um you can go on there and that's a little bit more low key and making k Fabe is very um prepared produced you know a lot of uh, time and energy goes into that wrestling doesn't make sense it's a little bit more low-key and just us talking about uh wrestling in general so if those are two things you're interested in yeah feel free to check it out and that's it so yeah thank you
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right well go find uh making kayfabe on spotify uh, apple wherever your favorite podcast app is and go check out uh what'd you say was what's wrong with wrestling or wrestling doesn't make sense. Wrestling doesn't make sense. I, I was close enough. <laughs> uh, I mean,
1: uh, yeah, it's seemed, it difference, different. Sorry.
0: Okay. I just hope there isn't a show called what's wrong with wrestling. Otherwise people are going to search that instead of your show. <laughs> it's wrestling. Also, doesn't make also, sense. That's what it is. Wrestling yeah, doesn't make sense. YouTube. Forget you. the other show.
1: <laughs> Fuck the other show. Unless, <laughs> you know, we should make another show called what's wrong with wrestling. And then we can d- redirect people to back to our show.
0: Why do yes, I? He? I'm. Why do I feel like somebody? I feel like that is a show, and I'm. <laughs> I I re- hang on. Hey, look. I, I'm looking it up right now, on my phone. What uh, what's wrong with?
1: Oh my god! It is.
0: It is. Oh. oh my! I knew it. Oh Jesus! But hang on. Are they active though? Are they still active? They could not be active anymore.
1: They have a, they have a website. What's wrong with wrestling? Many have called our show the funniest wrestling podcast. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know stuff. about that. You know, you know, <laughs> you <better watch> yourself. <laughs>
0: you know, you know what? I actually remember now. I remember because that guy who's the host of that podcast, he did a great Stone Cold Steve Austin impression on Edge and Christian's old podcast. That's why that name sounds so familiar. What's wrong with wrestling? Oh, that's why. Okay, forget that show anyway. We gave him enough publicity as it is. <laughs>
1: Welcome. Go back and <laughs> Welcome. Listen to the star shows again. Listen to this show again. Listen really to this. Good.
0: Making Cave Fave. Yeah. Wrestling doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And and then, you,
1: you plug something else, too. And
0: <laughs> Fan Speculation, my Marvel and Star Wars podcast.
1: Yes, listen to that. It's really, really good.
0: Thank you very much. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Again, go follow Dylan. Uh, uh, making k on Twitter and listen to, to Making k on any of your podcast, podcast formats. You can follow us here on Twitter at TNAWP, on Instagram, the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at CJ underscore 1214 and CJ underscore 1293 on Instagram and go follow making, uh, sorry, Fan Speculation, my other podcast, Fan Speculation underscore pod on Instagram and Fan Speculation just on Twitter. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. I've been CJ Palmasano and for good, ah, my good buddy Dylan Thank you all for listening. See you next time.